Victor, not victim. My name is Che. This is the No Spoon Podcast. I'm warning you guys, man. I'm kind of turned up today, man. I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling it. Um, a lot of things have been happening uh, as far as, like, good things. Good things, man. Good things. Making a lot of good connections. Talking to a lot of good people. People that I feel like um, that I'm drawn to and they're drawn to me. And we're drawn to each other based on um, a common a common struggle. You know, we come from different walks of life, um, have different backgrounds, different experiences, but I feel like, you know, I've been making connections with people that is much deeper than just, um, you know, help me market my stuff or help me get this out or let's work together. No, like th- this is like I'm, I really feel like we're we're making real, real connections. And, and even with with you guys, the audience, um, I'm really I'm really happy with the way things are going. Um, you know, we just had our first class this past Saturday for the, uh, you know, re- reuniting fathers through the Rebuilding Cali Alliance. Um, our first class is the first of an eight-week pilot program that we're putting together. But, um, you know, it, here's the thing. Like, we didn't have as big a turnout as we were expecting because, of COVID, people had tested positive for COVID, and um, I've just come to realize that that's just going to be a recurring thing. You know what I mean? Like COVID's not going anywhere, and the powers that be are going to constantly use COVID, uh, COVID restrictions, COVID lockdown, COVID this, COVID that, all these different things that they have. They're going to use whatever they can to um, to limit our ability to communicate. But I'm gonna tell you like this, man. I was happy with how the class went because of the feedback and the reaction that I seen in, in the men that attended it. Like I know that this program is going to be successful because this program is not like the other programs. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about here today. Um, but before I get into that, let me just kind of preface what, you know, what I'm going to talk, speak on, with just, you know, this this little bit of information of, of just saying that, you know, I sit here and and, and I'm going to I'm going to come here every single week and give you guys a podcast and I'm going to give you something to listen to and something to chew on and to take home and to and to really digest and to to hopefully, you know, implement and apply it to your lives. Um you know, when you look at other podcasts and you look at the big followings that they have and you have the big numbers that they have, I look at the numbers. I look and see how many people are listening. I look and see who's out there. It, you know what? I, I don't, and I don't get, you know, whether I have 10 people or 10 million people, the energy is going to be the same. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be the same message. It's going to be the same energy. It's going to be the same objective. And that the objective is we are going to win. And I said this before, and I'm going to keep saying that again because. If you're into the doom and gloom and if you're into just hearing, you know, what the other side is doing, um, what they got going on and how terrible life is going to be and how Joe Biden's America is horrible and Nancy Pelosi's, uh, uh, you know, her representation is terrible. And they are. Don't get me wrong. They are. But, um, you know, I don't look at these people at, in, in a sense of like, you know, David and Goliath. 
You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they have to contend with us. I feel like they should be they should be worried about us. I believe that everything that they're doing as far as trying to restructure and realign the whole world is because they fear us. If they didn't fear us, they wouldn't do none of this. Let's put it to you like that. And 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 I know there are other factors and there are other things that are going on. Um, I know I was telling you guys I'm going to start a, the, the YouTube channel. I'm going to do it this week. Um, like I said, things were kind of kind of hectic and um, you know just getting that first class going and a lot of preparation for that. But this week it's going to be I'm going to do a YouTube channel, but we're going to talk more about current events. So if you're going to hear about like okay, what does this mean? What is this? They passed this bill or they're looking and doing this and doing that. That'll be the place for you. And we're going to talk about it. But, you know, like I said here, my message is simple. Like, I don't, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm walking into this situation. Like, you know, we're the people that need to be considered, <laughs> so to speak. And, and, and I'm just putting it lightly. But in reality is we're the people they need to be afraid of. That's how I look at it. That's just how I see it. Um, I'm never going to go into any situation in life feeling like we're going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, I, I grew up playing sports, and most of you know that. Like, I grew up playing sports, and I never went into any any game, any competition, anything like that feeling like, yeah, ain't no way we're going to win today. I don't care. I don't care who we had on our team. I don't care what the odds were. I don't care what the other team looked like. I went out there to win every single time, every single time. You know, I don't care if it was just practice. I'm trying to win practice, for real. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the type of mindset that 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 I was instilled in me since I was a little kid, and that's the type of mindset I'm always going to have. Like I've never I've never got into a fight with it, with somebody else and got into a fist fight. I'm talking about like a real fight. I've never gotten into a fight and thought, man, I hope this dude don't knock me out. I've never thought like never thought like that ever in my life, and I I never will. You know what I'm saying? Like so, um. You know, like I said, ain't nobody's perfect. We don't all have the the best of of track record, but at the end of the day, like we're gonna fight. I'm gonna fight. It to, like that's that's not even an option here. You know what I'm saying? So when I look at like we had this class this past week, man, it was a huge success. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have fifty people there. We didn't have forty people there. We didn't have twenty people there. You know what I'm saying? And and most of it, that wasn't due on our part. Like I said, COVID played a part in it. But the people that were there, I felt like they, they understood where we was coming from. You know what I mean? Because I'm coming from the same struggle that they're in right now. I've been in them halfway houses. I've been in them, them programs. I've sat in AA and NA. I've rolled my eyes at a lot of these different um, counselors and, and, and people that get up there and speak. I've done it. I've done it. I, I can see through it. And we all can. You know what I mean? It's just like anybody else. Like you walk up in the holding tank and you think that you're going to talk – do all this woofing and talking about how big and bad you are, we, we're going to be able to see through it. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I feel. Like, when I, when success, man, is is based on, you know what I'm saying, like the quality of of people. And I feel like even, even with this podcast here, like success is based on the quality. There's going to be a lot of people that might be like, man, that dude, you know what I mean? Like, who's he think he is? That's fine. I don't, I really don't care. I really don't care because most of you are just going to say it behind the keyboard, and that's fine. I don't I don't care. You know what I mean? I know who I am. I know the situations that I've come from and the background that I have and the experience that I have and everything and the wins and the losses that I've had and the, and the losses that I've had and the losses that I've had and the losses that I've had, and I keep saying that over and over again because those losses have made me who I am today, and I'm and I'm so grateful for it. 
You know what I'm saying? I thank God for the losses like I thank him for the wins, probably more so for the losses. So, you know, that's where we're at, man. And and it, and I feel like to a certain extent, we, we're going to start weeding people out. And that's cool with me. You know what I'm saying? That might I don't have sponsors. There's nobody sitting over here sponsoring me. You know what I'm saying? That is going to sit here and say, hey, Che, man, maybe you shouldn't say that be so because, you know, you know, the numbers and the analytics and all these different things. We don't have none of that, man, and I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, I, I look at this as, as more so as less of a, of, a, of a podcast and you just sitting there listening on your way to work or in your, in your living room. But I look at this more like this is we, we're, we're making an army here. Like, we're recruiting an army. Let that sink in. This ain't just sit back and listen to it and sip your cup, cup of coffee on a Sunday afternoon. Like, we're recruiting an army. <laughs> that's where, it is what it is. I said it, and that's what it is. You know what I mean? And you can't, and you can't join the army and be all you can be if you feel like you're a fly, if you feel like you're a tiny little ant. We're giants around here. So, yeah, like I said, I'm just really pumped up and I'm just really excited because I've seen things. I've seen things this weekend. I've seen I've seen men that are like, the light went on. You know what I mean? That fire that was kind of going out, it was kind of being extinguished. All of a sudden, that flame just kind of burst. You know what I mean? And it's going to turn into a flamethrower. But I want to talk about something today. I want to talk about um, victor, not victim, right? What does that mean? Victor, not victim. I'm not a victim. That's one of the things I talk about in, in this class that we have. Like, nobody's a victim. Nobody's here because... Um, you know, their father wasn't around to raise them. Nobody's there because nobody found themselves incarcerated because of the system, because of white supremacy, because of their race, because of their gender, because of their sexual orientation, because of any of that stuff. I'm, nobody, I'm, I'm, I reject that. You might not like it. There might be some people that are be like, oh, no, that, well, you're not looking at the nuances and the intricacy. Yeah, I know that they're there. But what that got to do with me? See, 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 that's how I look at things, Right. Step back here for a second, right? You can sit here and tell me that there's all these different obstacles and they're standing in the way, right? You can tell me that the system is against is against me. You can tell me that 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 my race is a is a factor. Your race is a factor. That you know, whatever all institutional racism and systemic racism, all those things are a factor. But you know what you're not factoring in me. I, that's 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 the part. That I'm trying to get people to understand. So what? Okay. There's some people out there that don't like you. Maybe unjustly. That's that's not that's not far fetched. That's real. Yeah, there are people out there that don't like you, but so what? So what? I've never listen, <clears throat> I'm gonna say this because I know people like this. There are a lot of people like this, like, um, I spent 15 years in prison. Um, I'm a convicted felon. Um, I'm a two-striker. 
I put that out there. I don't care. Um, but so what? Like I've never went into a job interview and 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 thought about all that stuff. I went into a job interview thinking, you need to hire me. The very first job interview I had, I was I was still in a ha- in the halfway house, still in the program, <clears throat> ankle monitor on, restrictions galore, right? Had to take the had to take the bus to get there, the bus and a train to get to this job interview, right? It was at a Maserati dealership. <laughs> For real. <clears throat> Excuse me. At a Maserati dealership. Right? And they just wanted somebody to wash the cars, take care of the cars, and, and, and so on and so forth. Right? And so here I am. I walk in there. Sat down. Had a met resume made up, and you know they teach you in these programs. They teach you how to make a resume and kind of dress it up and make it look nice and use a lot of the experience that you had while you were incarcerated to you know put on your resume. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not I, you know, I always encourage people to you know put your best foot forward, however it may be. Um, but I put it, I put it there. I handed it to the guy. He looked at it. He went over it, and he said, "So tell me about yourself." And I said, "So check this out." <laughs> I said, this is very, my very first job interview in about 15 years. I said, because I was incarcerated the whole time. I said, right now, I lifted up my, up my pant leg, and I said, this is an ankle monitor. I'm on it right now because I'm inside of a program that doesn't let me do too much. They track my every move. They want to make sure that I came straight here, and I'm going to go straight back, right? Um, I'm, re- I'm restricted as far as what I can do. I can't leave this place. If you hire me... There's no going to another location. There's no. Do- I have to stay here until the day is up, and then I have to get on the bus and take it home. I cannot drive my own car. I can't have anybody pick me up. And he's sitting there looking at me like, wow, this is kind of a lot to take in. You know, he kind of sat back in his chair, eyes kind of big, and I said, but here's what I'm going to give you. I said, I could sit here and tell you about why I went to jail. I could sit here and tell you about the crime. I could sit here and tell you about my past and everything that led to it. I said, but all that, all that's gone. That person will never come up. And there's nothing that you can tell me, any counselor or anybody else can tell me, that can change other than that 15 years. That 15 years sitting in the cell is what's going to keep me never going back to that person. I said, I've learned hard work. I learned discipline. I learned what structure is about. I learned how to take a chain of command. I learned how to do all these different things while I was in there in some of the worst conditions ever. And I know how to deal with adversity more than anything. I know how to deal with unruly people. I know how to deal with difficult uh, um, people that I live around. And that'll come to coworkers. I know how to deal with all that because I've been through it. And and there's not, not one coworker that you have. That's going to intimidate me because I've been around the worst of the worst. This dude sat back in his chair. And then he leaned forward and he said, man. Now, mind you, I didn't have to say any of this, right? I didn't have to because, you know, the the law is they're only allowed to ask seven years from your last conviction. Well, at the time, this was 2017, the end of 2017, right? And so I was I was in, I got locked up in 2003, but I didn't actually get a conviction until the end of 2005. So I mean, we're talking 
it's way past seven years since my last conviction, right? They don't ask when you got out of doing your time. They ask when was the conviction. So I don't have to say none of this. But I, I know this is going to come up. I know I have to explain to them that I can't go over here. I have these restrictions based on the, the, the program that I was in, right? So I, had, I, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to be real about it. I'm just going to say what it is. I, because one of the things I don't like is I don't like the people to, you know, they get to know you based on something. And then later on they come back and they find something out and they say, oh, man. I, if I, you know, so I'm just I'm straight up. It's the same thing like when I met my wife. When I met my wife, I was still living with my family, you know, and, and I was 35 years old. And so I was kind of I, I knew that she was going to wonder why a 35 year old grown man is still living with his mom. I had just got out of prison. I've been out. I had been out for like three months, four months or whatever. Right. So I told her within the first week or two, I said, look, this is it. Before we start to like each other and I start to like you, I want you to know about the situation that I've been in and the situation that I'm in now. Right. Take it or leave it. You don't like it. You can walk away right now. No feelings are attached. Nothing going on. We just wipe our hands of each other. Hey, see you. Hope you know. See you down the road. Good luck in life. But if I present it now, you know what it is. You see what I'm saying? Like so. That's that's my mentality. That's how I, I approach situations. And I feel like you know some people might not like that, but some people. But you can't do nothing but respect it because I'm not going to lead you leave you in the dark. So I told him exactly what it was, and he leave, He said, look, man, he said, I, I, I can't do nothing but respect what you just did. A lot of people wouldn't have came in here and said all this. A lot of people would have lied. They would have danced around the subject, but you you were straightforward. You were to the point. You let it know, be known. And he, then he said, look, my best friend that I grew up with is in jail right now, and he's been there for a long time, and he has a life sentence. I said, I, know, I, I, I don't know what you've been through, but I know that everybody in there is not – these monsters because my friend's not a monster right and listen when i tell you they they try they bent over backwards trying to get me the job ultimately i had to turn it down because of the restrictions of the place that i was living in but they wanted me i mean they were you know i'm telling you they were like hey when you get out of there call us we got a job for you they wanted me more than anything and 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 i know guys i know guys and we all know guys who are sitting here and saying to themselves, I can't get a job because of a, of, of a felony that I caught 20 years ago. No lie. I know people like that. That they're still, to this day, 20 years after, after off parole, off, off everything, they're still saying, the only reason I can't get a job, man, because of my record. I'm looking at them like, are you serious? I was in the, the halfway house, the program that I was in, there was 200 men in there. The demographic, I was in downtown L.A., so the demographics, so if you want to play the race card and all that type of stuff, the majority of everybody in there, I would say 80 to 85% of the people in there were black or Hispanic. Everybody got a job if you wanted a job. It was easy. There was a brother in there that I knew. He was a good dude. He had did a life sentence for a murder. He did 27 years for a murder, right? He got granted parole off doing a life sentence. He came home and within two three weeks he had a job at jiffy lube a job at jiffy lube no experience nothing he went in there and he got it no one's going to give you anything no one's going to give us anything and one of the gravest tragedies that they try to put on people and i'm just going to say people in general 
But if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, we're going to talk more about inner cities, you know, black and Hispanic, what they call people of color, whatever you want to say, all that stuff, right? All this woke lingo and all that. But they really try to put this ide- ideology into your brain that you cannot do anything, that you are a perpetual victim, that the system is bigger than you, it's stronger than you, and it has its foot on your neck, and there's nothing you can do about it unless unless you call beg, crawl, begging, and pleading for help. And that's what they do. They come to your aid and they offer you something. We'll give you free this, free that, hand out here, hand out there, because you can't do it. The system is crushing you. It's interesting to me, though, right? This very same system. Who is this system? Isn't this system made up of people? Aren't these people in government? Aren't you in the government, politicians? Isn't this system made up of Correctional officers? Correctional institutions? Isn't this system made up of advocates? Isn't this system made up of pharmaceutical companies? Who is this system? Lawyers? Judges? The same people that are telling you, vote for me? Put me in? Give me more power? trash truck gotta come right now right (laughs) i mean think about this who's this you keep telling me that the system the system the system don't you work for the system this would drove me crazy this would really start to open my eyes to things right i used to be a big fan of like angela davis right read her books on feminism and all this different stuff and this is when i was really into the marxist thing and all that stuff right angela davis member of the communist party usa Right? And I used to think, man, she's she's out there fighting against the system. You know, fist raised, out there fighting. She was on the first woman on the FBI's most wanted list, right? Defended herself. I said, man, that's, yeah, she's against the system. But in the back of my head, and every time I would read her books, and I would look at the back of the book, and it would say, Angela Y. Davis is a tenured professor at UC Santa Cruz. I think to myself, you're a tenured professor at UC Santa Cruz, so is not the education system, is not these institutions like universities and colleges and everything, aren't they part of the system, the racist system? institutional racism aren't they part of it don't they make that up but they're giving you a job six-figure paying job tenure job to to do what tell people to that to dismantle the very same system that signs your pay that doesn't sound like a that doesn't sound like a strategy to win i mean why would the system why would the system pay you Hundreds of thousands of dollars to tell people to dismantle it. It doesn't make any sense. You know why it doesn't make any sense? Because it doesn't. Because they're not trying to dismantle the system. 
They don't want they don't want to get rid of it. They're actually propping up the system. I've said this before. Whole Marxist ideology is rooted in the fact that the state has control. The dictatorship of the proletariat, as they call it, which is supposed to be the dictatorship of the working class. But the working class is ran by the managerial class, who are the elites. That's what happened in Russia. That's what happened in China. That's what happened everywhere that it's ran. There is not a worker, because you can't work in the field and also do administrative work in the office. It doesn't work that way. There is no con workers controlled. These people are tricking you. They're tricking you into believing that the state is going to solve your problems. The state's not going to solve your problems. You're going to solve your problems. But they don't want you to think that. They don't want you to believe that. If you want to talk about systemic racism, you want to talk about systemic oppression, and I believe all that to be true, but I don't believe it's true in the sense of job hirings. I don't believe it's true in the sense... See, go back to what I just told you. Right? I don't believe it's true in the sense that people come and they look at you and you walk in and because you're a certain race or a certain color or a certain gender or a certain sexual identity or whatnot that people say we don't want you there. I don't think that happens as much. Matter of fact, there's a big push to, make, to, to do the opposite of it. Where the real, where the real oppression comes is the person I just told you about. 20 years removed from a felony conviction and he doesn't even go try to get a job. See, see that's the problem with this victim mentality. There's no reason for you to even move. Man, I look like a thug, man, so I ain't even going to try. They won. Anytime somebody comes around and tries to tell you, hey, look, man, forget all that, man. Like, you you could do this. Yeah, but, man, what about the system? What about the system? Start your own. Do for yourself. Lift your stand up on your own two feet. Be a man. Be strong, be honorable, have dignity, have integrity. They've even, said, they've even said that hard work is a remnant of white supremacy. Are you serious? That's just to get you so you won't touch it, so you won't go near it. Oh, you over there working hard? Well, you're working for the man, ain't you? Be lazy, show up late, argue with people. Be disruptive. Sabotage the job. Then you walk away and you get fired and you say, well, it's because of the system. It doesn't want me there. No, it's because of you. And the system did its job. The system got you to believe in it. The system got told you that you were nothing, so that's what you projected and that's what you became. Nothing. Now you sit around all day. You sit on the couch. You smoke the weed that the system gets you. You drink the alcohol that the system gives you. You play the PlayStation that the system forced you to go get. You eat the, the, the disgusting fast food that the system tells you to eat. And you wonder why you ain't going to be nothing. You wonder why you don't, you don't achieve anything. But when you start to think about it, you just blame the system. They have your celebrities tell you it's because of the system. While they live in mansions. Rappers will tell you, a guy like Jay-Z will tell you that it's the system's fault 
that people are poor, that people are incarcerated. Yet if you listen to his lyrics, he talks about how he rose up from nothing on his own with no handouts. Got it out the mud, as they say. You're not paying attention. You're not looking at what the, what it took to get there. See these see these people understand that. I seen the thing not too long ago. They said, "Stop disciplining black and brown kids when they act up in school." Are you serious? Stop disciplining them. Let them do it. This is a trick, man. They let you do that stuff. They want you to do that stuff because they know. They know that those values are not going to transfer into success. Their kids, however, are going to be disciplined. Their kids, however, are going to be organized and structured. You're going to be disorganized. You're going to have no structure. You're going to be undisciplined. No one's going to want you. No one's going to hire you. No one's going to give you a loan to start a business. No one's going to want to be a part of your business. No one's going to go and patronize your business. No one's going to want to collaborate with you. And then you'll sit back and you'll say, that's because it's the system's fault. I told these guys the other day, I said, we don't do the victim stuff. I said, because here's the problem with the victim stuff, right? Here's the problem with that victim mentality. If it's the system's fault, let's start there. It's the system's fault that you were incarcerated, right? The system doesn't like you. It doesn't like people that look like you, that come from the same background as you. It doesn't like anything about you and what you represent, right? So therefore, the only way that your life can get better is if what happens? If the system decides one day, it wakes up and says, you know what? Let's take our foot off their neck. Then things get better. You're going to be waiting a very, very long time. Some of you say, well, it's my dad. My dad wasn't around. That's why I go to jail. That's why I use drugs. That's why I don't take care of my own kids. So what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for dad to come and raise a grown 40-year-old man? Take you out to the ball game? Take you to the park and throw the ball with you? Teach you about the birds and the bees? Is that what you're waiting on? Sit you on his lap? Buy you an ice cream? That's what they're trying to get you to think. See, that, that's the problem with this victim mentality. When you have a victim mentality... You have to wait for the other people, the people that are victimizing you to stop doing what they're doing. You know, the very same people that will sit here and say, 400 years, white people have been doing this. They've been racist. And this is why we nobody can get ahead. All, all non-white people can, can't get ahead because white people have been racist. So if they've been racist for 400 years and they've been benefiting from that racism for 400 years, do you think that tomorrow they're going to wake up and say, hey, let's stop? Why? That makes no sense. These are the same people who say, let's take away guns and let's leave it to where only the police have guns. Oh, yeah, the same police that we say kill people for no reason. None of what they say makes sense. It's, 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 it's all contradictions, and it's all lies. And it's all to do one thing, to get you to believe that you are less than capable. That's the real oppression right there. 
They keep you in the box. The box is not a real physical thing anymore. It's a mental thing. The imprisonment is not with bars. It's mental bars. The enslavement is not with on a plantation. It's a mental plantation. And guess what happens? Anytime you try to leave that, anytime you try to step outside of that and to say, you know what? I understand what I'm up against, but they don't need to, they need to understand what they're up against. Then here comes somebody that's just like you or comes from the same background as you, and they'll knock you down. They'll call you names. They'll call you a sellout. They'll call you this, and they'll call you that. Meanwhile, those people, those people don't live your life. Those people live in the nice areas. You know, you look at somebody. I'm gonna. T I'm, I'm look at look at somebody like LeBron James. LeBron James will tell you how racism is a big problem in this country, how white people are racist and they're a big problem in this country. Yet LeBron James decided to move his family in Brentwood. He didn't move to the Crenshaw District. He didn't move to Lamert Park, where there's majority of people that look like him. He moved around mostly white people. He sent his kids to Sierra Canyon. He didn't send them to Crenshaw. He didn't send them to Westchester. He didn't send them to Dorsey. He didn't send them to Fremont. He sent them to Sierra Canyon. Way far away in Chatsworth, California, predominantly white area, in a predominantly white school, and lived in predominantly white Brentwood. He just does the bidding. The minute you try to decide to say, you know what, I don't believe what you're talking about, LeBron. I'm going to step outside of this. Now, I'm not, I'm, I don't hate LeBron. I think LeBron is, is, is a tool just like the rest of these celebrities, just like the rest of these elitists. They're doing the bidding for the people that sign their paychecks. Those are the people that they're trying to, to, to appease. The people that sign their paychecks. You want to get a new movie done, LeBron? You better say the right things. Don't speak on certain subjects. Don't actually try to empower the people. That's the same thing that happens with a lot of these programs. Reentry programs, homeless programs, drug addiction programs. These people don't have an interest. They don't have an interest. These, 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 these things have become industries, right, where people make a lot of money, sometimes six figures. Los Angeles spends billions and billions of dollars on the homeless problem. What does that mean, though? What is the money going to? Got to set up this department. We need a director, we need an assistant director, we need a board. All these people need to make at least $100,000 a year. And then we're going to get people off the streets and there's not going to be no more homelessness in maybe two or three years. And then their salaries are gone. We're going to get people cleaned up off drugs, get them through this program, fund this program. Let's send millions of dollars into these programs to get them cleaned up get them off the streets, get them to be productive citizens. In about four or five years, the number of drug-addicted people is going to be cut in half, and then we're going to have to cut the budget in half. And that means all you people that are making a livelihood, half of you are not going to have to go get a real job. You tell me. Do they really have an interest in that? Do they really have an interest in you getting better? Do they really have an interest in you being clean? Do they really have an interest in you not being homeless? Think about it. It's like cancer. Do they really have an interest? Do you think the pharmaceutical companies really have an interest 
in curing cancer. You know how many jobs would be lost? You know how many livelihoods would be lost? If you cured cancer tomorrow, if there was, if there was one drug, one pill that you can take, and boom, cancer's gone. You're cured. Just take it one time. That's it. That's not how these pharmaceutical companies work. These pharmaceutical companies work because you keep coming back. Just like they say at the, every NA and ev- at the end of every NA and AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, what's the, what's the thing that we all say together in unison? Keep coming back. It works. That might as well be Pfizer's slogan as well. That might as well be the California Department of Corrections slogan as well. Keep coming back. It works. Do you really think that California with 34 prisons, more than any, any state in the, in, in, in the United States, has an interest in cutting that number in half? Do you really think so? I'm just getting you guys to use your brain here for a second. I say this all the time. You got guys like Sean King. You got guys like Benjamin Crump. You got guys like Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton's been around for a very, very long time. What does he do? He's an activist. He has TV shows. He sells books. He protests. Do you think think if we had a barometer that can measure... How much racism exists in the world? Let's say hypothetically that exists, and we can say that there's 50% of the world is racist, 20% of the world is racist, 10% of the world is racist, 2% of the world is racist, 0.5% of the world is racist. If that number started getting low enough, and one day we woke up and we went, hey, guess what, guys? We just checked the barometer. It doesn't exist anymore. I guarantee you, guarantee you, the Sean Kings, the Joy Reeds, the Al Sharptons, the Black Lives Matter, they would search the world far and wide to try to find that one piece of racism that still exists. And then they would write a book about it. They would sell your pod, their podcast about it. They would do TV shows about it, speaking engagements about it, and charge $50,000 and up to do the speaking about this one little piece of racism that still exists. And they would keep doing it over and over. Why? Because it's an industry. You see how much money Black Lives Matter made? You see how they were living in mansions? If the, if everybody came together and said, yeah, we understand that there are some discriminatory practices going on. We understand that there are some things going on out there that, you know, is not right. But you know what? We're going to keep pushing. We're going to do for ourselves then. If these people don't like us, we'll like ourselves. We'll build ourselves up. We'll stop taking government handouts. And instead, we'll try to educate ourselves, learn how to be plumbers, electricians, carpenters, mechanics, things that people are always going to need. We're going to learn those things, and then we're going to service our own community. Okay, you don't like us, so what? So what? We don't like you. How about that? How about we try that? It's a mind state. 
then these politicians they would have nothing to, they would have nothing to promise you. We're going to give you this, give you that, free this, free health care, free education, free food stamps, free GR, free, 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 free. You don't have to do nothing. Just sit on your couch and collect. What's the incentive? What's the incentive to go out there and become a plumber? You don't need one. You're just going to use that GR money and you're going to hire a plumber from another community to come over and fix it. And he's going to get the money. And he's going to take that money back to his community, and that, that money that is going to circulate there. And he's going to teach his kids the discipline. He's going to keep, teach his kids the structure. He's going to teach his kids how to become more, start a business, run a business, employ people. But they're going to say, don't employ the lazy people over there. And those people keep voting in these people. These, see, that's the whole game. That's why I said before, and I, I said this, I, I believe this was this past week when I was on Osiris' podcast, the Stuck in the Middle podcast. That's the game. There's no incentive. See, the Republican Party goes, hey, we want, we want less government. That means less government influence, less government giving people this and giving people that. And the people go, we don't want that. And then the other Democrats come and say, we're going to give you free this, free that, free that, free this, free this, free that, free this, free, 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 free. Yes, yes, we need that. We need that. Why? Because we're poor and we're helpless. And we can't do it on our own. See, they've been conditioned that way. So this message over here that comes from the right or the conservatives, they don't, they don't want to embrace that message because they've been conditioned to believe that you have to be dependent, that you can never get ahead in this world because there's always going to be somebody on, with, with a boot on your neck and that you will have to run to these politicians and give them power so that you can... Be stable. Meanwhile, you're still living in messed up communities. You're still living in the projects. You're still living in single parent households. You're still living around gangs and drugs and crime and all these other things that are going on. But you don't want it. But you keep voting those people right in. Because you've been conditioned to believe that if you got up off your and got on your own and stood up on your own, then that comes with a lot of responsibility that they told you you're not capable of handling. That's the game. I told, I told, the first thing I told these dudes when they walked into this program the other day, the first thing I said to them is I said, I don't want to do this forever. This is not my goal. I said, I'm more concerned with getting you guys prepared and getting you guys to become the leaders and the men that you are supposed to be, and then we work together. Maybe, there, maybe there'll be another group of men that come through. You can teach them. I'm going to be building something and then I'm going to be coming to you because I know that you are a trusted person now. I know that you are having the right mindset now, that you're not going to let yourselves be bogged down by these victim ideologies and that you're going to stand on your own and I can count on you and we're going to start building things. Institutions of higher learning, we're going to start building things that free people, that don't let them keep coming back, that actually get them to go out there and teach themselves and learn and feed themselves. Feed their families. That's what we're going to do. I don't want to be sitting over here and be, oh, we're, I'm the prison reentry guy. Hope we got a new batch of p prisoners coming in, getting out the pen so we can recycle them right back in. I don't want to do that. That's lame to me. I'm not trying to make a million dollars off of people's going in and out of prison or drug addiction or whatnot. I want you guys to be, 
Get over it. Move past it. Let that be a part in your life. That's why I don't play all that. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a gang member. I'm a criminal. That's something that existed a long time ago. You've defeated that. You've overcome that. And if you're still in the process of it, then we're going to start claiming that victory right now. You're done with it. Drugs, alcohol, you, it can easily be overcome. Easily. You got this. That's the mindset that we're having here. That's the mindset that they fear. That's the mindset that people start going, man, if people start thinking like this and they don't need us, then you got to go get some skills. That's when you become a problem. They don't care about your marching and voting. They don't, they don't care about none of that stuff, man. They don't care about any of that. What they care about is you getting people to understand that they can be free. That's what, that's what worries them. That's what gets them shaking in their boots. That's what gets them saying, when you sit there and you say, hey guys, I'm going to give you guys a free health care and free education, you'd be like, I don't want that. How are you going to protect my rights? That's the only Because that's the only thing the government is supposed to be there for. I hope you guys know that. The government is there just to ensure that your rights are protected. You know, there's people who get there and they say, these people aren't pro-life because they don't care what happens when the baby's born. They don't care about what happens. That's no, You shouldn't. I don't want you worrying about me. I'll get it how I get it. You're only there to ensure that my I can say what I want and no one's going to do anything about it. I can defend myself and nobody can do anything about it. That I have due process and nobody can do anything about it. That's what you're there for. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? To preserve our God-given rights. That's the function of government. Everything else is on you. Nobody owes you any food. Nobody owes you a house. Nobody owes you a car. Nobody owes you clothes. Nobody owes you any of that thing, any of those things. It's a harsh reality, but it's the truth. And once you accept that, then you become free. That's what changed that that's what changed my life. I sat there in the shoe Security housing unit. I was there for two years by myself, sitting in a cell. I was looking out the window. I seen the day room. I seen the tables. I seen the cages. I seen the gun tower. I seen the stairs. I seen the showers. I seen all those different things. And I said, how did I make this happen? How did I create this? Was it the, was it the system's fault? Was it my family's fault? Was it the police's fault? Was it my teacher's fault? Who's, who, where, who, how? What, who's, who's the, who, who are we pointing at now? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. You. You created this reality. You made a bad decision there. And it led to another decisive moment. And in that decisive moment, you made another bad decision. And it created another decisive moment. And in that decisive moment, you made another bad decision. And so on and so forth until where you're in solitary confinement. You have no visits, no phone calls. No interaction with the outside world of any sort. Anytime you leave the cell, you're handcuffed and escorted by two officers. How did you get there? You made it. One decision at a time. And then another epiphany happened. Right at the same time. 
It said, if you created this bad situation, you can create a good situation. When you find yourself in that decisive moment, instead of doing the bad decision, make the good decision. And that's going to lead to another decisive moment. And when you find yourself in that decisive moment, decide to make another good decision. And it snowballs. So on and so forth. It's really that simple. And I said, it's no one's fault but my own. Once you took that ownership, once I took that ownership, everything changed. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what we was up against. It didn't matter the record, the 15 years of blank on the resume. It didn't matter. I walked into every situation confident knowing you want me. You need me. I'm here. Don't worry. We got this. That's all I got for today. I told you. I told you I was coming with it today. I told you that I was feeling some type of way because I was just so just, man, they should be afraid. They should be afraid of what we, what we can do once we push past this ideology that we can't do anything, that we're up against the machine and, oh, my God, and they're going to crush us and all the resources that they have and everything. They, look, man, we got this. Stay strong, stay pushing, stay, stay, stay assured and stand solid on that. I don't back, you can't back down from nothing. They want to sit there and confuse you. Men can get pregnant and all this stuff and they argue with you back and forth. Don't back down from that. You know what the truth is. Stand on it. My name is Che. This is the No Spoon Podcast.